Hey guys, welcome to another episode from the Making Sense podcast. We've got myself here, Kalisha. And yours truly, Francis. Sam and Jay will be joining us shortly. Yeah, and, um, they're just stuck in traffic, but they'll be with us very shortly. Yes, indeed. So first of all, thank you for listening to our last episode, which was Let's Exit Brexit and a guide to your personal finances. Yeah, but basically... Brexit and the impacts on your personal finances. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's okay. <laughs> um, it's one of those days. Yeah. So this week's episode, it's a very special one. Mm-hmm, but indeed. before we get to all of that, let's not forget our disclaimer. Yes. Take um, it away, Frank. As usual, whatever we discuss here, any advice that we give, any information that we give out, remember, we're not financial advisors, so we're not giving you investment advice we're not allowed to do that so what we give you is food for thought think about it do your own research make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into and if you want to invest in the fund or whatever read all the documents speak to a professional make sure you understand the risks consider your objectives etc etc fees before you invest that's it and there you go yeah so this week it's a very special episode. Um, so, firstly, our episode of the week goes to Alistair. Episode of the week. Isn't it? Ever. No? Was it? Yeah. This The email came during the week. Oh, okay. Yeah. The email came like, um, when was it? The day that I posted it. Oh, wow. Like Tuesday or something. Wednesday, yeah. So, so yeah, it's, um, we had a very, very long email from one of our loyal listeners, um, from Alistair. We're not going to mention the second name. It's just Alistair. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he wanted to, he, he basically sent us a very long email with loads of questions. And we thought, you know what? There's so many questions in here. We're actually going to dedicate this whole episode to him. Yeah, definitely. Because I think it's one of those, well, it's not one of those questions, but a few of those questions that a lot of people want to know answers to. Yeah. So and he's asked a lot of very valid questions and above all 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 of his questions are for very practical advice on practical steps how to do things. So we thought it'll be a good opportunity to also recap on things we've mentioned previously that some might have missed. Yep. Yeah. So let's let's jump on straight to the questions. Yes, let's do that. Um, he said I would like to know how much money do I need to invest to make the investment worthwhile as he doesn't have that much disposable income? With that, there's actually no right or wrong. Um, There's no... Well, the only limitation really is how much money you feel like you can afford to invest. So simply put, I would say, ask yourself this question, right? Let's just say you invested £1,000 today um, and that thousand pounds let's let's just say grew by five percent every year in four years you would have one thousand two hundred pounds is is that worthwhile is an extra two hundred pounds over four years do you sound like does that sound like a lot to you if it isn't then you then you can do two things you need to invest in either something which is a little bit more riskier or a lot more riskier but has higher chances of giving you higher returns or you need to invest a lot more money. So rather than invest in 1000 maybe you should invest 10000 But this worthwhile question is, 
obviously the more you invest the more you can make but you have to ask yourself how much can I actually afford to invest comfortably personally I don't tend to invest large amounts of money like um, I have a subscription where every month I save a portion of my my income so a few hundred pounds every month goes into my Hargreaves Lansdowne account okay which I use to invest in funds like every month without fail so it's just like how you would say have savings say you put 200 pounds into your savings every month I do that into my my Hargreaves Lansdowne account which is money I then use to invest into a fund every month that's an excellent yeah yeah so you know whether it's worthwhile or not it really depends on how you look at things and you have to think that even if it is only 1200 pounds that's 1200 pounds that you didn't have before this is it so and and it's still money yeah and there's extra money you wouldn't have had had you not invested so i don't know you have to ask yourself that question if it's worthwhile for you or not um one thing i will say so then the next few there's there's a lot more questions um Let's skip all the questions about property and cryptocurrency because yeah. Jerome will do that. Yeah. Fine. So then moving on to the next question. Um, what type of investment provide the lowest risk and highest possible return? Yeah. Now, again, this is another one. If anybody ever promises you something like low risk, high returns, just run run the other run towards the other direction <laughs> and run very fast too good to be true it's too good to be true there, there's no such thing as a low risk investment with high returns that doesn't exist um simply put investments with low returns generally have sorry investments with low risk generally have low returns but obviously not all investments are born equally however since you're a new investor or you're new to this investment world I wouldn't recommend that you look at some things that are too complex or too high risk. I would just start off with something very simple, like an investment fund, like the ones we've been speaking about in previous episodes. Um, but again, with, with investment funds, there's obviously different, um, different funds with different types of risk profiles. So you can even have two funds that have similar risk profiles, but the returns are very different. But in order to explain that, I would have to kind of go into technical mode, which <laughs> which we're not going to do. So, um, yeah. So, simply put, um, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable telling you that you could find something with low risk and high return because that would be a lie. Definitely. And that's just it. I know, I'm, I'm sorry if that's not the answer you wanted to hear, but it just doesn't exist. And I would say, as I said in the last episode about investment is investing yourself first so it might not be an actual investment fund maybe like I think I suggested eBay like you should create account research what is the highest um trying to think one of the, the products that get sold the most on eBay the top 10 most bought products research that um maybe buy buy those in bulk or buy something similar in bulk and start selling those or like I can give an example so in Superdrug I used to buy a face cream from Garnier and it was 9.99 then it discontinued but I thought oh my gosh this is the best face cream I've had in a while so I went on eBay and researched and someone sold them free free face creams for 9.99 wow so 
yeah, he's lo- the person's losing out on money, but the amount of times that people is buying that face cream, he's making money because yeah. I've bought that four times over now. Wow. So, yeah, so I would say invest in yourself. Like, look at stuff like eBay. And I think Jerome mentioned antiques, but it depends on how much money you've got to make a return on antiques. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a question on that, right? On antiques. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, okay, <laughs> next question. Um, what's the next one? The next one is... Uh, let's go to the antiques one. No, no, do you know what I think we should go to? He said, I would like to make money with my friends and family and would like some advice on how group investments work. Okay, um, group investments. So with group group investments um, or investment clubs, that's that's basically what it is. It's just... um. A collection of people forming a partnership as in setting up a firm, which is a partnership. And the sole purpose of that firm is to invest money. So you plus all your friends and your family, you got get together, you register a company and put money into the company, i.e. you open a business account with money in there. And that money will be used solely to invest. Um, with investment clubs, the, the positives are obviously because you've pulled money together, you have a, a large pool of money to play with and to invest in things. So you have a lot of scale. But um, one of the downsides is you can't use stuff like your ISA to invest into an investment club because ISAs are for individuals, right? They're not for groups. They're not for companies. It's not going to work. So if you were to form an investment club and invest, any returns that you made would be taxable. So that's something you have to bear in mind. Um, another thing I would say is forming an investment club, it, it's usually something you do when you, you're quite advanced in terms of your knowledge and experience. Um, because you know, you're making day to day decisions on what to invest in or what to buy etc and if you're new to the investment world again i wouldn't recommend you go down that route you could simply invest into a fund which will give you the same exposure so the investment club is a good idea but i i wouldn't say that's something you should look at now so um that that's um that's it for investment clubs or you know using a group of people to form into investment but as i said once you're a little bit more experienced or you have a a lot more knowledge and you know exactly what you're looking for it it makes a lot of sense to form an investment club or to invest with other people um we've just had two special guests walk in hello (laughs) hello 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 apologies for the lateness apologies lame london traffic (laughs) this is sam here uh and thinking jay or just jay <laughs> well, well welcome to the party guys <laughs> thank you thank you thank yeah. you so um that's that uh what's what's next kalisha what questions next um the next question is housing i remember i remember you saying london properties are overpriced but that doesn't depend on possible returns um yeah i'd say so um i think that's an interesting point there is still some anom- anomalies uh, to that kind of comment we made in the previous episode around London being overpriced. Uh, there are places like Abbey Wood, Barking, um, Croydon, which is kind of London, kind of not. Don't even know. 
Someone tell me. I know they were playing for, um, was it like City States at one point? Or I don't know if they've got it. I think it's Surrey. Is it part of Surrey? I don't know. Yeah, it's Surrey. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't have a London postcode. So yeah, it's definitely but okay. So, Surrey. you know, Abbey Wood, Barking will definitely be places that are kind of underdeveloped. So if you used to go around those places, you'll see they're not as advanced as, say, your Stratford, Lewisham, all those kind of places. So there's still value there. Uh, there's also the possibility of getting a house, you know, under market price for various reasons. You could have a distressed seller or, you know, any number of reasons as to why you could spot a bargain. So there are anomalies to it. But I think what we were saying in a previous episode in the round, London is very much overpriced. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's definitely. pretty much if, if you can get a deal, then yes. But it's probably going to be hard to find a deal like that. I don't know if you guys would agree, but. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. agree. It, it'll be I very difficult. Yeah. yeah like and what he said about the other question about group, like how can you invest with a group of friends? Why don't you put money together and possibly put a deposit down for a house? Yeah, that, yeah. that could yeah. be good. I guess that would be a sensible thing yeah. to do. Rather, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people do it from yeah. what I hear. Yeah. Or a shop or something yeah. for like five, five, six grand each, depending on how much yeah. people's involved. If it's that'd an be invest- a good idea. If it's an investment like a property, which we all, we all know what properties are, mm-hmm. then definitely. Definitely, it makes sense. Even as someone who's new to it, I think it definitely makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, next one. Ne- Wait, what was the next one? The next one is Jerome. So what have you guys covered so far? Huh? What have you guys covered so far? Um, Quite a few. Okay, uh, so cool. basically all the ones that you you weren't going to directly... Okay, cool. Yeah, cool, exactly. Cool, cool. Yeah. cool. So what we got next was about cryptocurrencies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So the next question is, Jerome, I have started investing in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Ethereum. That one. Uh, that's <laughs> the one that's Ethereum. I don't know. <laughs> All I know about it is that it's backed by JP Morgan and a couple of other big banks. Uh, also, uh, it's not limited in terms of the number of coins that there'll actually be, which means that there's a potential for inflation, which is a big drawback to it. Um, and there's something about open working, which Google that. And that's another thing it doesn't have, which Bitcoin does. Uh, so those are kind of three things for you guys to Google. So, so wait, Bitcoin has a, has a fixed amount of coins. Yeah. So you can only, ha- I can't remember the amount. I want to say 21 billion, but I could be wrong. Uh, but that's the reason why you can't have inflation because you can't, you can't print more money. Um, once mm-hmm. I think they say we'll have all the Bitcoins mined. Uh, and I'll explain that in a second. Uh, by 2020, once again, I could be wrong. That's not a long time. That's yeah. like two years. Or exactly. Um, and at that point, you'll have a fixed number of Bitcoins. Uh, so the kind of value is retained. And that's kind of the stuff that gets mentioned uh, when they're kind of answering some of the criticism of Bitcoin or whatever. Uh, but yeah, with Bitcoin, is a fixed number that they'll ever be in circulation. I think it's written into the code that you can't have more than that amount. But yeah. But back to um, the question. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I've invested in some uh bitcoin uh cryptocurrencies as well the exact same three that he uh, uh alistair's name is our gaffer cat which name should we call him <laughs> yeah alistair i said alistair, alistair? okay yeah, yeah. i just wanted to respect his you know social no, media I handle. Say surname, so it takes good. some time to f- think of a social media <laughs> handle so i want to respect <laughs> it um but yeah so i've invested in those three um i know most about bitcoin like most people do a little bit about erythium or erythium or have, we'll find out how to pronounce it after the podcast <laughs> um and know nothing about litecoin as of yet um bitcoin's the most popular one and the most expensive um all of them have kind of had uh some appreciation and values of late which has been interesting yeah I saw you know? on Twitter so um i've made a f- you know a couple of pounds on the 60 pounds that i put in i wasn't really Wait, feeling bitcoin you put six no i put uh oh, i spread it I, i'll spread it across the three you can do that yeah i have an app called uh coinbase which um for someone like yourself will be good um 
if you're planning to trade the movement, so if you want to like speculate and trade the movement of uh, of cryptocurrencies, uh, an app such as uh, Coinbase wouldn't be good because there is some delay in getting your money back um, because they're essentially, you're buying it off other people. So once you buy it from Coinbase, they have to go out to the market and actually get the coin um, rather than an exchange. It is so hot in here every week. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, so remind me of the question again. Just I think we like, we went off topic a bit. Francis, I have started <laughs> investing in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and mm-hmm. that other one. And um, I think he just wants to know more. Yeah, so um, I think so- something such as Coinbase, if you don't have a wallet already, is good. Um, but if you want to keep in keep on top of things, uh, most apps will tell you the price in real time. So just pretty much log into your app every so often throughout the day like you do your personal banking really yeah. I think that's the best and, way to keep and up and he was also asking where can how can he learn more okay so it's going to be a number of things you know there's a lot of uh, good material on YouTube um, you know in terms of le- actual lectures not just people telling you what they think Bitcoin is um, so there's a few that I'll put in the show notes um, from the Bitcoin Foundation which are pretty good uh, they use a lot of analogies that's where i got my analogy in terms of thinking of cryptocurrency and bitcoin like the internet um he explains it really well on that so i'll, I'll send it out to you personally and it will be in the show notes um but yeah it's just generally going to be a lot of reading there's a lot of stuff on mainstream media you know you just want to be careful of biased mm-hmm. obviously like anything you read um but yeah i think your main thing is going to be articles mainstream media and there's a lot on youtube you know where it's a new tech kind of thing you'll find most of the information is on those cutting edge forums such as your youtube also can you explain the difference between speculators and people wishing to use it as currency okay so speculators will be someone like me and probably alistair who are buying their bitcoin hoping that i buy it for 10 pounds today and it'll be worth a million pounds in 10 years um i don't plan to buy anything with my bitcoins i'm just trying to wait for it to appreciate in value there are some people though that will actually pay for their goods and services via bitcoin you know so there are a number of retailers i think microsoft is yeah, one of them microsoft's the biggest one um, i posted that on, on quite IG. a few yeah. exactly so there are a few uh, where they'll accept bitcoins so back to the point i made in the i think it was episode three when i went through uh, cryptocurrencies places uh, in uh, parts of africa where they don't have you know, a lot of centralized banks, they may turn to Bitcoin to make payments for things. So those will probably be your first adopters in terms of using it as currency. I think most people in the Western world will still use it as speculation because we can easily make payments by other ways. Yeah. So is that is making payments with Bitcoin something that you're just not considering or if it takes off? Um, for me, I'd, I'd need to see the value in it yeah. for me. I don't think there's any value in it for me because I have easy alternatives. I think in other countries, maybe. Okay. So in like our notes, you said crypto could be a risk on your position. So no, no, no. So what I said, what I meant to say there was um, kind of a point that Francis made in, I can't remember which episode. I tried to plug all the previous episodes so people go back and listen to them, but I've forgotten this one. But about having a diverse portfolio. So cryptocurrencies are relatively unknown and they're very volatile. Uh, so it's quite risky. Uh, so you, you know, you, if you are going to invest in them, just think of it as that's going to be maybe the, the, your investment that you're happy to take risk on. So maybe you don't want to pump all your money into it. So, you know. So just, just make sure you're diversified. Exactly. So yeah, just can make, yeah, exactly. Make sure you have some safer options. Yeah. Okay. Cool. What's the next one, Kalisha? Please. Well, the next one was about the put that where he, where he can get information. Okay. Which he's kind of answered. 
fine. Uh, yeah. the, the very there was a question on antiques, no? Yes. So he said in previous episodes you mentioned about how to invest like in antiques. Yeah, so um I'm going to read the question or the email. Yeah, yeah. It's actually so funny. Daisy one. spoke about. Yeah, D- do you want to read it, Kalisha? So Alistair has said, Jay-Z spoke about buying antiques and until I started listening to your podcast, it was just cool information and a great song. If you could speak more about antiques, that would be great. Yeah. So, so I... Sorry, so buying antiques as an investment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You must be talking about 444. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so with that, actually, I'm, I'm going to say something and Akilisha, I want you to add your bits because you mentioned something about looking on ebay and stuff yeah so yeah so um with antiques that the first thing i want to kind of make clear is that it's a very niche area of investing and typically it's the very very rich that buy antiques that are very very expensive i'm talking millions and they hold it for years and years and decades and they go up even more in terms of antiques as an investment or asset class i don't actually know that much because it's not something I'm, I've really touched up on or dealt with in the past. But what I can tell you is that usually it's very wealthy people. They will hire someone, a consultant who has the knowledge, has the expertise and knows where auctions are. So then they'll go to an auction. There'll be random antiques from all over the world and people just put in the bids. So that's how these antiques are bought and sold. But it's a very niche area. Um, if you yourself... If you have interest in it, I think what you can do is start off small and just, well, A, you'll do your research first to find out what actually antiques are or what is considered an antique that could make money. Because as far as I'm concerned, there are cheap antiques on eBay, for instance, Mm. or Gumtree or something or wherever Sunday market, you might find Mm. something. But the problem is you need to have an eye to spot what Mm. actually might hold value, which is the difficult part. So it's a very, it's a tricky area. I don't really know that much about. And um, yeah, that's, that's it. And maybe not antiques, maybe something like rare. Like it could be like rare trainers or rare coins. Or I know my friend does Pokemon cards. Yes. So yeah, like in that, they come in like glass cases and everything. They go, they go for a lot of money. Sometimes one card is like 300 to 400 pounds. My friend, um, I used to work at Marks and Spencer's many moons ago and there was this guy. He had been collecting comic books since yeah. he was 14. He had comics books from the 70s which were worth 60,000 for oh, wow. one paper. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I should go and dig my pogs out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember pogs? Yeah. I've got a pencil case full of pogs somewhere. Just, uh, and so lo- why? And, and loads of slammers. Because I know, I feel like the way Pokemon cards are something now, I feel like one day pogs will be something. No? Yeah, so as Sam said, collector's items. Exactly. Definitely. Another question was, um, Alistair said, I'm assuming my portfolio is a collection of investments. How would you advise a beginner to set theirs up? Um, So what I would say is, as a beginner, someone like yourself, um, start with an investment fund, which in itself is a portfolio of investments. So although you're putting your money into one thing, that one thing, is a portfolio of different types of investments. So that stops you or saves you time from having to buy different things to form your own portfolio, if that makes sense. Um, One of the benefits of that is it does not require to have expert knowledge. You don't need to spend, you know, five, six, seven hours a day 
to learn about what you're investing in. All you need to know is learn the very basic basic concepts or have an understanding of what it is that the investment fund is about. Um, just to give you some practical steps or advice on that, how you can buy an investment fund, there's two options. You can go to your, to your bank. So for instance, if your bank is Lloyd's or Barclays, whoever, go there, ask for a personal banker, say you want to invest into a fund. They will have a, um, a selection of funds that they recommend. The only thing is, they tend to only recommend a small number of funds of firms that they kind of do business with. Okay. They might be good, but there might be better out there. What I would recommend is go to a market which offers funds from all providers, something like Fidelity, Hargreaves, Lansdowne, or something else where you register an account and you literally have access to thousands and thousands of funds. You had a uh, another... Uh, TD Direct... That's, I don't know if you've heard of them. TDA, yeah, uh, what's it? Trinity Toronto. Dominion, Tr- Toronto Dominion. That's, that's it. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. So that there, there you go. That's another provider you could potentially look at. Um, yeah. What what type of things the or the type of things you should be aware of when you're investing into a fund is um, ask yourself questions such as how long has the team that manages the fund how long have they been around and how long have they been working on the fund for. Obviously, the longer they have, the better because it shows stability. Um, also ask yourself, what is the return of the fund? You know, what is the performance of the fund over several periods? Like say a year, three years or five years. How well has it done? Um, what you want is you don't want something that just jumps up in value. You want something that has a smooth increase. So let's just say every year, I don't know, say from year one to year two, it grew by 5%. Then from year two to year three, blah, blah, blah. Just stay. We don't want it to be jumping from from nothing to 20%, then down 10, then up. You want something smooth. So you want something with, with low volatility, basically, in the returns. And also, you want to look at the reputation of the firm. So um, have they been in the media for something bad? Mm. Have there been any frauds or any any kind of anything negative associate associated with the firm those are the kind of things you want to look at then you also want to look at the fees what are they charging you um generally the fee should be very low as in less than one percent that's what you want to be careful of sometimes higher fees are warranted because you get more returns for them but not always then also you should look at the risk metric so there should be something like say one number one is very low risk number 10 is very high risk so then you can choose somewhere between that where what you're comfortable with in terms of taking risk. So that's something your personal banker would kind of have. Um, these other platforms will also have. And um, if you're if you're a very hands-off investor and if you just want to put your money into something and just look away and never look at it, you could go for robo-advisors like Nutmeg. So with them, you just basically, they they conduct an assessment like an interview with you you tell them what you're comfortable with investing in what kind of risk you're comfortable with etc and then they create something for you more tailored towards you but with that comes higher fees because it's more tailored towards you um so yeah that's that's what i'll say um uh, another question that alistair had was regarding property purchasing and he was asking about shared ownership he said can we please touch on shared ownership and help to buy ices uh i did a bit of digging on help to buy ices mm. um should i start with that yeah, yeah go for yeah, it okay. yeah so, so with with the help to buy ices that they're, they're essentially very similar to your normal isa um 
The only difference is that the money you can put in them is a lot less. So the most you can save and it helped to buy ISA is 12,000. Um, if you had 12,000 in it, the government will give you 25% of that free to help you buy the, the property. So let's just say you had saved 12, you would get 4,000 towards buying your house. Free money, basically, oh, wow. which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's and great. yeah. And the minimum you have to, you have to put in there is 1,400. Sorry, 1,200 in order to get the 25%. So if you put in 1,200, you get 400 yeah. pounds. Yeah, yeah. Free money. So it's definitely something worth doing. Um, With that, there's a few things to note. The bonus that they give you, you will only get the bonus at the stage where your solicitor finalizes everything. Okay. So you won't get it so you can put it towards your deposit or solicitor's fees, stage and fees, etc., etc. That you can't use. Mm. So it's literally... is. Yeah, it's literally at the point where your soli- your solicitor has finalized everything yeah. and is your solicitor that has to request a bonus as well. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. So, yeah, that's, that's it. And, oh, with these help to buy ISIS, you can buy them at most banks or building societies mm. on the high street. Basically. Is there any impact on your normal cash ISA? Or your no, normal, nice nothing. It doesn't impact separate. it. Yeah, completely so separate. So, in terms of purchasing the property, it's almost a no-brainer. Basically. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's free money, right? So... <laughs> Yeah. Who wouldn't want free money? Yeah. Um. He also asked us to touch on shared ownership, which is basically purchasing part of a property. So, a housing association or uh, entity will own part of the property, and you will purchase twenty percent, fifty percent, forty percent. And the benefit of that is literally just purchasing less. So you just spend much less money in at the get go, yeah. and then you can staircase. And what that means is that over time, you just pay more to end up eventually owning 100% of the property if that's what you aim to do. And I think in terms of drawbacks for that, um, just look into the property value because you could end up paying a lot more than what the property would have been Mm. worth if you just bought it outright. And also you have to look at how much you'll be paying. So you'll be paying mortgage for the part that you own. You'll be paying rent Rent. for the part that the... I think that part isn't very clear. Can you explain the rent part? Okay, so you'll be paying mortgage for the 50%. Say you purchase 50%, you'll be paying your mortgage on 50% of the property that you own. And then for the other 50% that's owned by, let's just say, L&Q, London Quadrant, you'll pay rent to them because they you're renting half of the property from them. And then after that, you'll also pay your service charges on the 50% and incorporating your rent will also be London Quadrant's service charges. So, 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 no, 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 no. Pe- people in this room <laughs> always claim that I'm the technical guy. I did not understand anything <laughs> of what did. Sam just said. Okay, but yeah, okay. Property is my area. That's why this just... So, okay, wait. So, me. fine. You, you, you buy 50% you of the property. 50%. Okay, so imagine we're in this room we buy 50% of this room and let's just say every month our mortgage is 500 pounds 100 pounds is for half of the room okay whoever owns the other half of the room yeah they've lent it to let us lease it like a tenancy agreement so i'm paying my mortgage 100 pounds and another 100 pounds for the rent yeah okay and then on top of that i have to pay the service charge to depending on the kind of lease you've got for the property pay the service charge to maintain the part that i own but whoever's renting the property to me will also be recharging me the service charges because they're not benefiting from the property because i'm renting it out from them can the rent and the mortgage payments be different 
different amounts. Oh yeah, absolutely. So the rent will be based on what the landlord of that fifty percent wants to charge you. Shit. That's so sometimes so it could be a lot higher. It could be higher. Yeah, it could your be higher. Could I mean, be higher obviously than your they mortgage. have to look at market rates and all of that. But their rent is literally based on what the agreement you have over there is, and then you're paying mortgage on your part that you actually own. So that's a big point to consider. Yeah, because if you just had a normal mortgage for the whole place, it'll be very, it'll be very different, right? It, it could be very different. So you'll be paying your mortgage only, your service and charge. That's, that's it. it. Okay. You know, you're not you're waiting for somebody to say, okay, well, the rent for this year is going to be this much. Yeah, but then I guess the good thing about sh- shared ownership is a lot cheaper. Um, if initially when you're making the initial purchase, but you have to look at the terms in for staircasing, so. You will be allowed to staircase and own 100% of the property, but there might be terms, there might be charges, there might be a lump sum you have to pay at the end of that that you have to just give to whoever owns the property just so that they can make a profit off you. So it's great because you're paying less in the beginning. However, just read everything and just make sure it's worth your while. I hope that makes sense. And also look into your local councils because sometimes they offer like special grants or... Yeah, yeah. Because I know for Wandsworth, they offered like, if you want to buy outside of the M25, you get like a certain amount of money. And if you want to buy within the 25, they give you like, within the M25, they give you a certain amount for the deposit for your property. So there's loads of like little schemes out there. Yeah. And also developers, when they make a new build, um, in order to sell the property, they will give you certain deals. So some of them will sell you a flat part furnished. Some of them will lay the carpet for you. Some of them will pay stamp duty for you. It's just all part of them wanting to drive sales. So look into all of that as well. I hope that answers the question. I think it did to me. Okay, we've got one last question. He is asking, or I should say Alistair is asking, how can he start creating generational wealth? (laughs) 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 Where can he start creating generational Um, wealth? You know what? The moment you start investing or putting money aside... That is a that is you starting to create generational wealth. What generational wealth is 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 simply, let's just say you you manage to accumulate quite a lot of wealth right now, and you start passing it on to your kids, and then they pass on to their kids, etc. That is it. That's all generational wealth is. Is wealth that's being passed down in generations. The only problem is you you obviously need to accumulate the kind of wealth, and there's no simple answer to that. I mean, the simple answer would be, okay, well, make sure you make as much wealth as you can. That's how you start creating generate, generational wealth. do most rich people do that through life protection? As in life insurance? Yeah, life insurance. Yes, sorry. life insurance yeah. is a form. Yeah, you could say that is where you start. You, so you, every month or every year you pay premiums. And then when you pass your son or your offsprings, your daughter, whatever. Mm-hmm. Will, <laughs> yeah, or your, your daughter. Your offspring. <laughs> Your, your offspring gets a large a large um, amount of money. Yes, that, that is a form of, of yeah. generation. So wealth. that's the way yeah. of starting. I guess you can say that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, also, if if you're thinking about that, you also might want to start thinking of wills. So yeah. you might want to have a will. Um, it doesn't matter if you're still young, 20, whatever. It's something worth looking into if you're thinking of generational wealth. And what happens if you don't have a will? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, was just, I was just wondering. Does anyone, does because I know there's um, inheritance tax. tax. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know there's some there's some laws where obviously it, I think your family members are first yeah. in line, and then if there's no family members, the government takes yeah. it. Yeah. So that's all I know. The government. Takes I think it goes like, isn't it like spouse then kids then? 
Yeah, yeah. maybe usually. that siblings. Yeah. Spouse first, and then something. Like is that. it spouse sure. before kids? That's I, harsh. No, I think oh, it's because yeah. you know. You, I mean, oh, obviously, I think I'm, it is. It's the movies, but you know, there's always arguments about he gave it to my stepmother and yeah. she took it. You know, there's all that yeah. drama. So yeah, spouse first, then kids. Okay. They don't have that on sci-fi films. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's all the questions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That was, that was it. Um, Can you think of anything else that to add, the listeners well, might yeah, know? Well, yeah. I mean. Well, what I can think of is one of the questions he asked about um, the low risk, low the low risk, high return. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I mentioned, that can get very technical, but there's something called relative value, right? Where you have two assets which effectively look the same, but if you are able to compare them to to the to the market and find small differences within them you might be able to spot that one has more value than the other. But that can get quite technical. If you want us to talk more about that or if if you want to know more, I'm happy to talk to you or I can send you more information. So just let me know. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Perfect. Okay. Jay? Sounds good. Jay? Yes, Jay, what's up? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, just thinking, do you want to let... Um, so listen, to- is anything? Just any questions or... Oh, I forgot to say. Um, I'm I'm gonna. I think yeah. We're, we're gonna all the links and all the information will be in the show notes. Yeah. Of course, yeah. as always. And I was speaking really, really fast, so any information that I missed or messed up will be in the show notes. Also, there was no uncertainty in the pace you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no uncertainty today. <laughs> there was no uncertainty. If anyone's uncertain about what I spoke about, just send us an email. <laughs> um, uh, no, not really. Um, I'd say you know, uh, go back and listen to all our episodes. That's yeah. the best advice yeah. I can give yeah. you. Um, what is wealth number one yeah I think that would be a good one for him to listen to yeah definitely yeah if he you have already yeah if yeah. you have he was already. our top listener this week so yeah. I imagine he has uh, antiques right you, you also mentioned if there's anything similar I can give you an example five years ago I used to work with this guy he um, was it five years yeah five years ago he so he was quite well he wasn't old but he was in his early 40s then and uh, basically he um, he was <laughs> telling me when he was 18 and the the Porsche um Porsche 911 came out it's obviously in the 80s mm-hmm. he said he was blown away by that car but he obviously couldn't afford it so then 5 years ago he could afford it but he wanted that exact one from the 80s so he bought that car for like 18,000 and he sold it for close to 30,000 uh last year wow yeah so for some reason um what are they called old cars um Ant- antique cars classics. yeah classic cars yeah. have been rising in value quite extensively i don't know why but that's something if you you know if there's an old car you like etc that's something you want to look into but again you obviously need some expertise so yeah do your research but yeah don't just buy an xr3 yeah don't <laughs> so where can we find you guys <laughs> why 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 always me? I feel okay, like very you, you can find me on Twitter at bra <laughs> underscore living. <laughs> at bra underscore living. Sam? You can find me on Twitter um at MS underscore Sammy with an I underscore XX or on Instagram S A underscore XX. I thought it was just Sam. That's, yeah, that's, what happened to just Sam? Yeah. No, 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 no. Her name is Sam. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah, her name Sam. is Sam. You lot have called me oh, and everyone else called me realize. just Sam. But that, that's, that's my social media. Okay. Um, uh, thinking J. So think underscore king underscore J. Uh, Instagram and Twitter. 
uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, I think. And email. Yes. Info at makingsensepodcast.com. Yeah, and you can find me at miss underscore k underscore v-a-n-g on Twitter. And also check out our Instagram page, the underscore making underscore sense underscore podcast. Also, don't forget, subscribe on SoundCloud and yeah. iTunes. Please. Yeah, and rate us on iTunes, please. If yes, you do please. listen on iTunes, yeah. give us five stars rating. Rate so we're iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud, right? Yeah. Yes. Cool. And there's yes. these other two that I found last week, which we will be on. Excellent. I know there's a Google one, but I just haven't. Yeah, we're going to be on that. Anything you can think of, we're going to be <laughs> on that. And Stitch, what's the Stitch? Stitcher. Stitcher. That's more American. Okay. okay. Yeah. There's a new one out, a podcast. Yeah, we're going to be on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be everywhere. So thank you for listening, everyone. Take care, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Peace.